0: This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis.
1: Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. In today's show, I sit down with Anthony Balduzzi. If you haven't guessed by his name, Anthony Balduzzi is a fellow paisan. He's a world-class biohacker and founder of the Fit Father Project, an online health and fitness community that helps men over 40 lose weight and regain vibrant health so that they can be stronger fathers, better husbands, and leave a greater legacy upon the world. As an inspiring leader, author, in-demand speaker, and coach, Anthony's helped innovative people and organizations around the world trim fat and exponentially scale their growth trajectories. Anthony's a national champion bodybuilder, an Ivy League graduate who holds dual degrees in neuroscience and nutrition. And he'll also be receiving his degree as a naturopathic physician in June 2016. For more information on Anthony, you can visit his websites, thefitfatherproject.com and drduzzi.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-Z-Z-I.com to learn more. In today's show, Anthony discusses the recent tragedy that led to him breaking everything on the right side of his body, including his right arm and his right leg, and how he now sees this as a blessing because of all of the incredible biohacks and healing tools that it exposed him to. We get into everything from cold lasers to ultrasound to pulsed electromagnetic field machines, hypnosis, visualization, meditation, and much, much more. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Anthony Balduzzi. Hey, everyone. I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks, and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. You're coming off a broken leg and a broken arm, an injury that, that happened, taken out both limbs simultaneously. Uh, <laughs> tell me how that all went down.
0: Yeah, so this was about 70 days ago now, almost to the day. I was in Durango, Colorado, and uh, long story short, I was doing some questionable things on skis that my mom would not be happy about, and uh, I more or less jumped off a 25, 30-foot mini cliff. And that's a mini cliff. <laughs> mini clip. You know, I, I'm not sure what the exact explanation is, but it was, it was enough hang time for me to be like, Holy crap. I'm probably going to die. Um, some somehow stuck the skis in the hard pack, but they just blew off from the impact. And I started tumbling down this hill and uh, thank God I had a helmet on Anthony. I was just like getting rocked. And then I slammed into a tree with my right leg and it just exploded my leg. And I think my arm came around, and hit the tree too. And that's when that broke. So, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a wild trip. I kind of came to at the bottom of this giant pine tree with my leg bent, twisted sideways, four times the size. And, um, and I'm like, am I alive? Am I alive? I started checking myself. So that was the story of the broken leg. And that was the second that the recovery started right there at the bottom of that tree. Did your leg immediately blow up? Oh, you immediately blew up because, um, okay, this is a story I haven't exactly shared, but two days prior, I jumped off a smaller mini cliff. This one was more of like 10 to 15, and I strained my hammy. So, as a, as a good biohacker, um, when I got home from this, that ski day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to load up on my curcuminoids, my fish oil, my natural anti inflammatory. So, I did. Um, and as a byproduct of doing that for a couple of days at high dose, my blood was a little thin, and, you know, and I was already taking care of my, my, my coagulation pathway. So when I ended up really doing the, the number on my leg a couple days later, um, my blood was thin and I was, it just swelled up like crazy as well as the fact like apparently when bone marrow gets released from the inside of a shattered femur, it creates a lot of inflammation as is. I was thinking so, about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bone marrow is fairly inflammatory. Um, so uh, yeah, it was about f- two, three, four times the size. And when the first paramedic got there, he's like, holy crap, I think you're going to lose your leg. And I just looked at my buddy, and I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." Like, listen, not an option. Not an option. We're gonna have to figure our way around this. And thankfully, they did. Uh, cheers to the fire department and the EMS in Durango. They took good care of me.
1: So you're 70 days in right now.
0: Where, mm-hmm. Where's Where's your
1: progress at? How long did they tell you it was gonna be when you know when this initially
0: went down? Yeah. So, to- so like, first off, femur fractures are very serious. They typically take around three to six months to heal. And mine in particular was um, of the most serious of the serious varieties because all the bones, you know, four four or five pieces. And even after they did surgery, they cut the knee open and hammered a rod through the leg. Um, They still had to leave two floating bone fragments, um, like floating around. So, you know, if we have show notes, I'll be happy to post up my initial uh, post op x-ray but yeah so i had they sent me home they're like yeah we did a good job you know as best we could but i had a probably one-third of my femur has just been floating in my leg um hanging out and that was a good outcome for surgery and so they didn't give me a clear timeline because no one really knew you know one the hope was the bone will move back into place, come home, and start aligning with the leg. But, you know, I, was, I, was, I left hospital with a, uh, a titanium rod and still floating bone fragments. So uh, the timeline was a, a little sketchy on exactly when um, I'd be walking and when any of these things would be happening. So that's when I really took um, a high gear and really kicked into some serious healing game um, to start using all the tools, uh, nutritional Technological mind-body visualization to really bring that bone back into place and, and start the healing, and, and making that as much of a full-time job as everything else I'm doing online in medical school and all that. I'm excited to, to talk about some of those healing tools that, that you've been using. We got into that a little bit
1: offline. Um, when when you initially fell, did did you have like what was going through your mind, or did it happen too fast? Were you were you thinking SCI? Um, or was mm-hmm. it just kind of like you didn't even have you didn't even have the opportunity to process
0: the memory of processing was when I had that feeling of you know when you lose your stomach on a roller coaster and mm-hmm. you you feel like it drops when I was off the cliff that was the first moment of processing that I remember that I was like oh god this is this is not good like stick the skis let's do this and I kind of got into a little bit of a warrior mode there um, and the rest of it was. I was purely in shock. I never lost consciousness throughout the entire experience. Um, But I remember the second that uh, I stopped on the tree and and I kind of came to a little bit and I saw my leg, that uh, routine like kicked in and all my medical orthopedic tests, I just started going through everything. Um, And I was almost like these scripts are running in the background of my mind and I, I was almost like a semi out of body experience where I was executing on uh, these medical procedures without really being you know, cognizant and necessarily present. I was almost like the observer of the process that was happening. I wasn't even really as identified with my body at that point. Um, just uh, like these, these scripts and all the training was kind of running on autopilot in itself. Um, and I don't think I really realized the seriousness Of the fracture until I woke up post op um, 14 hours later um, with a picture of the x ray of like, hey, here's your leg. We cut it open. We put a rod in um, and all this stuff. So that's when I think I really realized that this is okay, you know, time to really pick this thing up. I consider you
1: a very intelligent individual. And I was having a conversation with Andrew Huberman, who's the professor of neurobiology at Stanford, and he brought up Mm. some really interesting research on the critical period in human beings and our ability to learn later in life than other animal species. And Mm. um, some of the data that he was sharing with me was that risky behavior actually increases the critical period and lengthens it for human beings. And he was telling me the the, the stories of some of his colleagues in in, uh, neurology and neurobiology who, you know, some of them box, some of them ride motorcycles, some of them jump off cliffs on skis. And Mm -hmm. there's this, this kind of like inherent contradiction where risky behavior that puts us at risk for the type of injuries that you just experienced may also be a major contributing factor to your the intelligence that you're able to in, enjoy and employ.
0: God, that's beautiful. Um, would you mind if I reflected a little bit of my experience on that? Please. Okay. So first off, yes. Yes to all of it. Um, I believe it completely. And I think one of the big things is that when we're young and we're in these critical periods of learning and imprinting, um, there's so much novel stimulus around us. Everything's new. We're always learning, growing, shifting. And when we get older and we get more domesticated, um, we get into the process of creating stability and routine. And what I think the value, at least for me in my own personal risky behavior, is that when I'm pushing that edge, um, be that of my physical capacity, um, that, that edging, on on that uh, the bleeding edge of what's possible with um, with the skis with my physical capacities for the lifting um, creates that new novel stimulus and a little bit of that danger that I think creates um, this setting of of neuroplasticity where uh, we feel the need to grow to survive. Um, which I think is is the the primary impulse of humans. You know, we need to learn and develop our brains to become become self sufficient and survive in this world. And I think risky behavior can create a little bit of a shadow of that kind of early learning that we experience. So be that skis, be that setting PRs on, on you know, your exercise habits, um, be that even deep diving into a new biohacking style routine. Um, but yeah, risky behavior creates that novelty, that excitement, that neurochemical cascade that, you know, uh, it's it's cool that you got some insights from, from Stanford, you know, leading edge of a lot of this, this neurochemistry stuff. But in my own personal experience, I, I validate that completely. Um, and I definitely seek it out. I, I've been a man that's learned from, a number of crashes. This just happens to be the biggest one of this particular decade, but I've had plenty of other ones in my younger years. Um, and I always tend to learn best through the pursuit of the crash, but also post-crash. Um, I've learned so much from this injury uh, in itself, and I feel lucky. I actually feel lucky, uh, luckier than everyone listening to this call that I get to go through this experience right now. And I mean that from an awesome, uh, awesome standpoint, because um, I'm, I'm excited that I get the opportunity to transmute a lot of this quote-unquote circumstance into learning growth power.
1: Before we get into the nuts and bolts of some of the, the tools and gadgets and mind-body healing modalities that, that you've been using to accelerate your, um, your recovery, what, what are some of the big takeaways from this experience? It, are you still going to jump off cliffs? Is there going to be behavioral mm. modification that, uh, mm. that takes place? Where are you at with everything and what have you learned?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, first off, I think uh, one of the biggest things I learned is that the disidentification with self worth tied to our bodies, uh, and this is super important, especially for people and, and people interested in biohacking who are always looking to push the boundaries of our mental, physical, emotional capacities. Um, as humans, I've learned that you know we are uh, individuals that happen to have bodies. We are not our bodies. And I think if this, Anthony, if this injury would have happened to me five years ago when I was at the pinnacle of my competitive bodybuilding career, where I was super identified with the actual physical uh, aesthetics of my body and, and the state of my musculature um, and my constant progress in the gym, um, emotionally, I was much more fragile back then versus now, I think when when I, uh, a lot of my physical capacity was stripped away, and I'll tell you, breaking the entire right side of my body um, left me able to do very little for the first two weeks of my recovery um, that I was basically re- uh, relied upon um, what emerged as my spiritual emotional strength. So the first thing is um, that we we must continually reframe to understand that our bodies are tools. We are not our bodies. We are things that transcend that. And without getting too spiritual on... Uh, on this particular podcast, is something we can definitely talk about, you know, off the call or on a future podcast. Um, I'm, that would I'm be cool one. getting into it as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that that would definitely be that would definitely be one big lesson. Um, another lesson is that at every single moment of our lives, um, our beliefs shape um, our current realities. And I think coming into this, I had a lot of beliefs around the, the physical limitations of my body, um, how long it takes to heal things, how quickly I would be able to walk. Um, and I think we accept a lot of this dogma. Uh, you know, certain some of these things are, are based on parameters that we've learned from science on how long certain things take. Um, but I believe for the most part, and I've been more convinced about this, Anthony, over the last two months of any period of my life, that we, our bodies are constantly living with governors that are controlling the speed of progress. Based on what we've chosen to accept as belief systems in our minds from our experiences, and personally, I began to play and toy with different beliefs that would serve me more in my healing. Beliefs about the rapidity of how fast I could move my floating bone fragment back into my leg. Um, beliefs about the power of my mind uh, to change my my actual physical chemistry in my body. You know, new stuff we're learning from from the field of psychoneuroimmunology. So, really harnessing the power of reshaping my beliefs to uh, to speed the progress of and, uh, and also, uh, beliefs about the importance of community and having a community of like-minded people in any physical journey, be that healing a broken bone, being, being optimizing your, your work-life performance in, in a biohacking framework, being that losing 150 pounds, any of that stuff. Um, getting plugged in with people who love and support you has been a huge, huge reminder for me. So I think a lot of these things are things that we kind of know on a, on a conceptual level, but until you are broken down to the core uh, through an intense experience, at least for me, um, these things didn't take the deep-seated uh, emotional uh, hold that they do have now where I believe these things, uh, pun intended, in every fiber of my bone. I love that. Individuals who have bodies, we are not our bodies. It's so true. And especially as we're pushing the boundaries of biohacking, we focus so much on this physical domain. And yes, that stuff's important. And yes, we, are, we have so much we can do to optimize uh, these machines. Um, but always recognizing that uh, we are the controller behind the machine uh, that is infinite, infinite. Um, And our bodies are finite. And when we can detach and and love and observe our bodies, the progress that happens on the physical plane happens so much more quickly um, than when we identify uh, with the mechanism itself. Have you thought about getting the skis back on? And (laughs) where where are you at with that? Okay, so uh, another little hidden gem I haven't shared with people. Uh, When I was – I'm a big skier. I grew up in Canada. I've been on skis since I was three. And I actually was planning – post-med school graduation to buy a fifth wheel with one of my best friends, and we were going to travel around the U.S. and Canada, 42 ski resorts, 13 states, two countries, and we're going to get sponsored by Red Bull and GoPro, and we were going to ski our faces off for the entire 2016-2017 winter season. And so I... (laughs) I jumped off that little headwall and broke my leg, and then a month later, my buddy uh, jumped over a river and dislocated both of his shoulders. So <laughs> he just came back to Arizona, and both of us uh, were uh, we went and we uh, we played putt putt, and we were just crutching around this course together, looking at each other, just smiling and laughing about our, our ski plans and how God tends to change those things when we have set plans. So um, that ski trip is currently on postpone, and my first and new project is learning how to walk without crutches. So I will absolutely be on skis. I think for that first run back, Anthony, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be that guy coolly cruising on the groomers, um, probably get some friends and, and cruising on the groomers for a little bit. Uh, but I think my, uh, my untamable human spirit will eventually get back to, um, to the steeps and the moguls and the mini cliffs for sure. I just, I'm, uh, pushing that particular boundary right now is not my top priority. Yeah, I, I can I can
1: understand that. One of in two thousand and seven, I was on a double black with two of my best friends, and uh, one of them wiped out and went uh, back first into a tree, and mm. um, he's been since paralyzed from basically like the chest down. So he has the use of his arms, um, but he he became a paraplegic after that. And um, yeah. to say that to say that that hasn't changed the riskiness of the behavior that I engage in when I'm on ski trips. And, you know, I don't know if, it's, if, if it was directly related to that, but the frequency of my ski trips has decreased somewhat. <laughs> and um, and that, that's probably more subconscious because it's not something I'm trying to avoid. But, um, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of, you know, listening to your story, and it's making me think I need to get back out there consistently and um, and, and challenge myself in these ways and not let that event um, you know, it, it should change, <laughs> it should change my behavior in a way where I'm not increasing my risk of a life right. altering event, but, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 shouldn't stop having a good time with this stuff. What are some of the yeah, things you, totally.
0: what, what have you done to heal yourself so fast? Mm. So I've been playing on kind of three fronts. I would say that'd be, we'll call it mind, body, emotion. Um, The body front, we'll start there. Um, I'm grateful because I am uh, a medical student about to be a doc in about a month, um, that I have access to a lot of beautiful technology um, to help heal my bone. And these are things that we were kind of talking about off call, like cold laser, which is awesome. Um, using some ultrasound uh, to increase some blood flow, using a Beamer machine, which I, I, I'm not sure how many people on this call are familiar with, but with PMF machines. But the Beamer in particular is an awesome technology. It might be out of Germany. I'm not sure exactly, but I it's out of it the, is, yeah. the the Vaso Motion Institute and. Are, these are new PMF machines that help increase um, bone healing, uh, vasomotion, microcirculation. So I have, I have the technology side of things. But, you know, that stuff is all icing on a cake. Really what it comes down to it is, you know, regrowing a human, as I like to think about it, is the same as regrowing or growing anything in this world, like a plant, for example. Um, it requires uh, good soil, which in our case is great food. It requires, uh, you know, rest, regeneration, It requires time, it requires the proper amount of movement and exercise, Um, and so Thankfully, from being a biohacker and a student of health for almost two decades now, um, I know exactly which kind of foods work for my body. I'm very aware of which foods create inflammation for me, which ones work beautifully. Um, so, I've had a wonderful, um, you know, hypoallergenic, anti inflammatory, healing diet with sufficient calories from beautiful, unprocessed sources um, and all the, all the good tenets of, of great biohacking nutrition. Um, exercise. Um, I've continuously loaded my leg, and I think a lot of people are surprised that um, I never had a cast, even when I came out of the hospital and my bones were shattered, and I had that rod, and there was floating bone fragments. Um, they, we found out from new research that you don't actually want to cast. Um, these, these femur fractures, uh, you want to be basically weight loading from day one uh, to kind of stimulate those bones to heal. So I've been doing a lot of at-home rehab exercises, um, and I have one of the most bulletproof uh, supplement regimens around uh, for healing bone that I've been doing as well. That's kind of on the body front. On the mind front, um, I've been doing daily visualization uh, that I like to call deep structure visualization where... I'm getting very somatic in my body um, through some breathing techniques. And uh, particularly, you know, reading your book, Anthony Wim Hof, I use the Wim Hof method before my visualization to get charged up, to get oxygenated, and to really get present with my body. And then I go into what I call a deep structure visualization, where I feel and actually visualize uh, my bones moving back into place. And more importantly, I feel the feeling of my leg being already healed. So I think this is a, this is a subtle um, little trick with visualization when we're trying to create change in our bodies, um, is that we don't want to necessarily visualize the process. We want to visualize and feel the end result and exp- feel gratitude around the end result. So when I get into meditation after my breathing and I get into my deep structure visualization, I'm feeling the feelings and expressing the gratitude throughout my entire body to the point where I'm tingling of my leg and my arm already healed. So outcome-oriented visualization um, and feeling those structures, how they feel when they're healed, feeling myself doing all the things that I love doing with my healed leg – um, and I think that's a that's a subtle but powerful benefit that I found through my own uh, biohacking and experimentation helps create more power in the visualization um, than focusing on the process of, oh, I want healing, I want healing versus I am healed. Uh, it's subtle, but it creates a, a a much stronger effect with the use of visualization. And I, and I really call that practical deep structure visualization. It's something anybody can do um, to even, you know, I've been playing around with this now that I've, I've started lifting weights again, Anthony, uh, helping my recovery from workouts, I'm expressing gratitude for my strengthening muscles and my, my increased healing. Um, I, in between sets, as I'm breathing, I'm expressing gratitude for the, the strength that I've achieved from this workout. So um, I'm applying this subtly. And I think a limiting belief we have, I, that, that at least I have, so I won't generalize this to everybody, is that healing takes a lot of time. And I think when we believe that, it does. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I've been playing with the belief that healing can happen overnight. And I'll tell you, I've had uh, some miraculous nights, one in particular where I was getting very comfortable in crutches around a month into the healing journey. And because of that there's that risk-taking, uh, growth-oriented part of my brain, and I decided to try this little 360 thing in my mom's kitchen. And I crashed hard on my leg, and I felt bones crunch. And for that next night, I spent around four to six hours in this kind of trance-like healing state, and I woke up uh, the next morning with my leg uh, feeling amazing again. So it's challenged for me, the speed in which we can heal and the power of our minds, that that may be our best biohacking tool. It's not the technology, it's not the nutraceuticals, um, it's really that our minds can create infinite change in our bodies through directed focus. I love it. Is this something, are you using guided audios, or mm-hmm. are you taking yourself through the process? So, I use a couple things. Um, I use binaural beats. I have a couple great ones uh, that I use that are specifically have entrained uh, binaural patterns for uh, HGH release and for physical recovery um, and for helping my mind, you know, as I'm going through this visualization, get into the right, uh, you know, brain state as I'm doing this. Another tool that I absolutely love. Um, that helps me stay super consistent because here's the thing I'm sure everyone out here is try, like, if you've tried a, a meditation visualization practice before, you do it for maybe like a couple days, a week. And, and it might, if it doesn't stick, you don't get gains. So, something that I found really useful is using uh, an app called Inside Timer, totally free. And they have some good pre recorded uh, sounds and audios. And I set a 20 minute timer that has five bells that runs me through the five phases of my particular visualization. Um, And it also tracks my meditation. So I have a log that shows me that I've done, you know, 15, 20, 30 days in a row. And I have some of my friends on there who I've taught my technique to, um, who we do this together that we have some social accountability. So um, yes, I use binaurals. Um, but more more importantly, I think uh, an app that gives you structure like Insight Timer and that gives you some social accountability is really important for actually being consistent with a visualization practice. And, and I would also recommend if someone's considering starting this to start super small, like eat one minute, five minutes, like missed reps don't help you build consistency power. Um, you know, 20 minutes, you know, is is uh, if you haven't been doing it regularly, can be a pretty big commitment to start. But even starting with a four, or five minute, one minute visualization is is an incredible way to get started. And that said, there is there's a lot of benefit from getting into state, which does take sometimes a couple minutes. But um, but start small and stay consistent would be my recommendation for anyone starting a visualization practice. I agree. That's that's great advice. And you said the name of that app was Insight Timer. I n s i g h t. Yeah, it's an awesome app. They're like, uh, you know. Fifty thousand, hundred thousand plus people who use it around the world. You can see who's meditating, visualizing, visualizing with you, and they have a ton of pre-recorded ones that you can just go through, or you can set custom presets on the music you want, uh, the tones, the length of time. So there's tons of custom uh, customizability, and I just love it. It's a sweet app. That sounds really cool. I'm gonna check that out. What um, what were the specific binaural beats
1: you mentioned? One for HGH release, one for physical recovery. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I actually have, uh, I think the author of the Binaural Beats is, a guy, last name is DePorto. Um, I'll be able to look that up, and I'll, I'll confirm that for you, and we can maybe send out some show notes, or I'll be happy to even put a, a resource sheet together of Anthony's Healing Mode sheet that, you know, has some links to some of these things. Um, but this particular binaural um, is designed for HGH recovery, and I'll have to look up the exact name to get you that. Let me see, now, HGH. Um, it's called uh, Garrett Loporto is the author and he calls it Da Vinci brainwaves. And this guy um, creates some awesome binaural, super high quality stereo binaural beats. And you can definitely find stuff on YouTube. Um, However, I don't necessarily always trust the quality of the production. Um, that's why I think it's almost best to get a paid product from somebody who's who studied binaurals for a while. And the guy again, his name is Garrett Loporto, L O P O R T O. He has a, his business is brainwave entrainment. And he has a deep HGH recovery one that I use, but he also has a a wake up coffee one, a learning primer, and a meditation one, a stop anxiety one. So um, I like his because they're they're simple, they're effective, they're twenty minutes long, um, and I listen to those, and, and they're great. I highly recommend it. I've tried several products. His is my favorite one at this point. So Garrett, if you're out there, keep up the good work, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for those. I appreciate you sharing.
1: Um, are you, are you open to sharing your technique? Is this something that you're putting together for
0: a product? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm open to sharing the technique, for sure. So this is how I would get started um, if someone's out there using this kind of 20-minute framework. First five minutes, I would do a, uh, basically a mindfulness meditation, getting very present with your breath. You can do any specific breath work that serves you. Um, So I want to maintain the kind of fluidity in what's possible in these first five minutes. Um, I personally just sit, breathe, relax into my body. Um, and But there's other techniques you can do, um, like pleasure energy breathing, where you're repeating mantras. Um, you can take stuff from kundalini yoga, like breath of fire. You can use Wim Hof style breathing, but any kind of breathing technique that gets you present with your body for the first five minutes. The next five minutes is focused strictly on gratitude. Um, I want you to spend the next five minutes feeling and somaticizing gratitude for every area of your life. Whatever comes up for you, people, places, things, yourself, um, all the things that presently are amazing in your life. Um, And and the flow is very important because at first we've gotten present with the breathing in the first five minutes and we're in our bodies. The second aspect of the next five minutes, we are getting grateful for everything in our life. Um, And that sets the primer for a ton of beautiful uh, neuro biochemistry that happens when we express gratitude. The research on that is is unbelievable. Um, and then the next five minutes, we get into what we call pre-paving, which is visualizing the things that we want and feeling the feelings of already having those. And now I think a lot of people try to do visualizations on achieving um, certain things, be that income goals, relationship goals, uh, productivity goals. Um, But doing that in itself out of the context of already getting present in your body and expressing gratitude sometimes comes from a place of, of lack, and it's not nearly as powerful. So the prepaving visualization where I particularly really start to deep dive into the healing of my leg and feeling those feelings um, is much more powerful when we've gotten present in the body and we've done the gratitude. So one, presence of the breathing, two, phase two is the gratitude. Phase three is that pre-paving, feeling what we want, whatever comes up for us. And fourth is similar to the first phase, where it's a basically ba- getting back into the body, into a surrender of opening yourself into the infinite possibility of miracles, of great things entering your life, and being present to anything that may come up for you um, as you're sitting in these last five minutes in silence. And I found, you know, often people come up people come up and I reconnect with them and I'm like, hey, you popped up in my meditation, not sure what this means, let's reconnect. Beautiful stuff always happens. Sometimes if I'm really feeling just the jive of my awesome deep structure visualization, I'll continue it throughout the next five minutes of that, uh, that, that last five of that visualization. So the beauty of this is that there's, there's four phases, five minutes each. It takes 20 minutes. And again, you could break this thing down into a four minute meditation where you do each phase for one minute to get started. But the point is just be consistent with it. So again, presence, breathing is the first phase. Gratitude is the second phase. Um, that prepaving visualization is the third phase. And the last one is the surrender or the continuation of your visualization. So for me, I'm a structure systems guy. So when, I, when I'm like this, Anthony, this is what you got to do. I can execute on that all day long. And that structure has served me tremendously and helps keep me consistent. Does that help? It helps a
1: lot. That's uh, very cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're I'm very gonna, welcome. I'm going to give that a try. You talked about your nutrition and really being dialed in.
0: Um, mm-hmm. What foods cause issues for you? Yeah. So I'm lucky in the sense that since birth, I've been lactose intolerant. So um, I didn't grow up on uh, too much crappy dairy that some people tend to have a lot of problems with. Um, but over the years, as I dialed in my nutrition more, um, I've learned that dairy causes me issues, although some people can absolutely tolerate it, high-quality dairy. So if you can, good for you. Go for that. I'm, I'm jealous. Um, wheat causes, causes me issues, even high-quality wheat, like things like Ezekiel bread. I'm not at my best when I'm having uh, grain wheat products in particular. Um, corn and soy are allergens for me. I do great on a more paleo-esque um, kind of diet, although um, I mean paleo in terms of uh, more of the food selections, not necessarily uh, the macronutrient breakdowns. I do have plenty of beautiful fats in my diet. If I'd say if I had to break down my exact macros, I, I'd probably be around 25 30% protein, um, 45% carbs, and the remainder healthy fats. And um, I do have higher carbs than a lot of paleo s diets post training and post exercise because I've learned how to manipulate macros from all my years of bodybuilding to serve my particular physique goals. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, corn, soy, dairy, wheat. Are, are foods that don't work for me. Um, and I, I want to highlight, and I know you talk about this all the time, Anthony, with, with the importance of gut health, with the importance of managing inflammation, and the importance of individualized nutrition. Like just because these foods don't work with my body, there are people that are fantastically healthy um, with high-quality dairy in their diets. Some people, heck, some people can even do well with with really high-quality, unprocessed wheat in their diets. I think that's, those people are more rare. Um, But again, it it takes testing, biohacking, and and really dialing in your physiology is about testing, doing food elimination diets, figuring out which foods work for you, reintroducing, noticing your symptoms, keeping a food journal, things like this. Um, And it takes time to be patient and really learn what works best with your body. I use a lot of intermittent fasting. Um, I use a lot of green drinks. Um, I have a lot of high-quality fish, meats, and proteins with veggies later in the day. Um, I I tend to eat... Uh, lighter during my productivity work blocks, relying more on liquid meals or plant-based foods um, to to have meals that have lower digestive stress, and then later in the day when I want to shift more into a parasympathetic rest digest, I'll have bigger meals that typically contain a larger serving of beautiful, high-quality, paleo-style um, protein, fish, meat, and stuff like that.
1: I like that. What? Contrast for me your intake of dietary fat when you were competing in bodybuilding versus Mm. where it's at
0: now. So I've done all sorts of diets when I was bodybuilding. I've dieted on ketogenic diets, like like true ketogenic diets, under thirty grams of carbs. I've I've gotten extremely lean, and I've gotten down to you know you know very 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 low levels of body fat. Um, Conversely, I've gotten to very low levels of body fat on you know having ten to fifteen percent of uh, my diet be fats and, and the vast lion's share, you know, dieted on three, 400 grams of carbs per day. Um, again, it comes down to individualization and what's going to give you the greatest dietary adherence. Um, I think there, when, when it comes to a bodybuilding perspective, there is a minimum amount of fat that is required. That once you get lower than that, fifteen to twenty percent of your of your diet from fat, which is which is pretty dang low. I mean, we're talking like um, fifty grams uh, for for a two hundred pound man, maybe forty to fifty grams of fat per day. Which you know, in, in bulletproof coffee, some people are throwing about <laughs> 35, <laughs> 40 grams of fat in in one of those between a couple of tablespoons of MCT oil. And so this is a very little amount of fat. And past that point, we start having hormonal issues. Joint pain um, and that 's pretty much as low as i'd recommend, although again you know it 's about adherence because you know calories are a very important controller of of Body fat loss. You know, they're not everything. We know that different macro ratios have a profound effect on physiology and hormones. But ultimately, when you're trying to get leaner and your metabolism is adjusting, you constantly are um, cutting calories to to lower and lower numbers. And I'm talking in the context of not just being a lean, healthy guy. We're talking next level, like bodybuilding style, where you really do have to dial in counter calories and continually cut those to get to the lowest amounts of body fat. Um, and for me, uh, again, I found that I functioned best on a moderate fat, higher carbohydrate diet because when you're that lean and you're training that hard and you're that insulin sensitive. Uh, you can get away with eating a lot of carbohydrate um, and getting those carbs shuttled into your muscles beautifully and having your fasting insulin levels return back to baseline very easily. So, for example, um, again, being in the medical field, I get to test a lot of things. And uh, yesterday, or actually it was, it was Friday on at clinic, um, after I weight trained, I had about 200 grams of carbs in the form of um, a mix of some white and wild rice, um, which is a lot of carbs post-exercise, but I know my macros. And I took my blood sugar about an hour later, um, and it was back down to 90 Wow. So having having a very efficient insulin system from lots of training and from knowing your macros and knowing foods that work for you, um, I'm able to shuttle carbs in very effectively and still get back down to like stable good blood sugar levels. Um, and, and I get to I test my blood sugar all the time with different kinds of foods, and that's a good um, a good indicator of, of how efficient your insulin system is as you, as you are a lean individual who's, who's lifting and training. I would definitely not recommend that for someone starting off and getting in the journey towards uh, a physique. I, basically, my kind of personal philosophy is we feed carbs in proportion to your insulin sensitivity and you know without necessarily testing fasting insulin um, and doing an adrenal stress index and really understanding your insulin cortisol patterns um, in an actual lab testing setting. We can basically assume if you have quite a bit of body fat and you haven't been weight training and you haven't been exercising that regularly, you have some degree of insulin resistance. So we're going to feed you a higher fat, lower carb diet. And as we continue to improve your body comp, As we continue to get you leaner, um, we can play with increasing the carbohydrates, particularly in the post-exercise period when we have all this beautiful physiologic change like that glut four translocation and all this great stuff that happens. So um, the carbs go higher as you get leaner, and then you find your sweet spot where you feel good, your energy levels are good, the level of leanness you have is good, and most importantly, the foods you love to eat are good right? So because when you restrict any one given macronutrient too much, be that carbs or be that fat, uh, our brains start to see scarcity. You know, when I was, it's not surprising when I was doing my keto diet, I craved rice. And when I was, when I was having my really high carb, low fat diet, I wanted avocados, you know, so finding that balance for you is super important. I hope, I hope that helped and I didn't get too scattered because I was kind of brain dumping on some of this bodybuilding stuff. No, that's great. And I'm, um, I, I, I'm on a somewhat, of a, in a
1: sleep-deprived state after last night. We just, we just had a ton of stuff going on, but I'm loving this. <laughs> um, what are your go-to carb sources? You mentioned a mix of white rice and wild rice. Is that, is that basmati? Is that jasmine? And then what are some of the other ones that you tend to uh, include in your diet more frequently?
0: Yeah, organic rice of any kind, preferably sprouted, would be my first kind. I'm, I'm, any kind of rice is fine. I like to make my rice in a rice cooker sprouted rice with a little bit of bone broth or broth in there. Um, gives a great flavor, adds a ton of nutrition to that. Uh, so rice is a really great and easy carb that works for a ton of people. Um, so it's a good post-exercise staple. Um, I like other seeds and in, in, in grains like quinoa is awesome. Um, uh, steel-cut oats is a go-to carb for me. Organic berries are a go-to carb for me. Um, sweet potatoes are a go-to carb. Again, I have some of these um, higher complex carbohydrate sources post-exercise, um, especially during the mornings. I'm a big advocate of having a low-carb breakfast um, to allow that natural cortisol rhythm to roll. Um, and I'll have a higher fat, um, moderate protein, you know, slow digesting, low GI, lower-carb breakfast. And then I'll have some of those go-to carb sources later in the day, particularly post-exercise. Um, go-to proteins are, um, are small, low-mercury fish, so sardines, I eat a ton of those. I wild salmon. Um, I'm a big fisherman myself, so I catch a lot of wild trout that I eat. Um, I like I, I like like grass fed beef. I'm a big proponent of old school ancestral nutrition in the sense of including organ meats like grass fed liver in the diet. I think we don't do enough of that. Um, and you know you know quality turkey and chicken um, in moderation if that works for you in your diet. Those are my proteins. My go to fats are all sorts of beautiful oils, you know, virgin coconut oil, extra virgin olive oil, um, avocado, nut seeds, cacao powder, and just the natural fats that are found in my meat.
1: How do you get your how do you take down your liver? That's one that a lot of a lot of people have <laughs> tried and uh, and, and realized that they don't have the palate for it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm still honestly perfecting that. I can't even say that I love that I do the liver. I just, when I do it, I, I get it down. But the best thing is, is getting some kind of, uh, for me, some kind of gluten-free uh, crust. You can use like almond flour or some kind of gluten-free panko crust on the liver. You soak the liver in egg, um, in the egg yolk, and you, you crust it, and you pan fry it in there with some onions. And I actually crock in a couple of cage-free organic eggs in the skillet with the liver. And that seems to be the best way to do it. Um, soaking the liver overnight in something like almond milk helps to take a little bit of the liveriness out of it. Um, a lot of people who just buy liver and try to cook it right away and get their butts kicked. So the the, pre, the pre-soak overnight and the sautéing with onions and some eggs helps. I'm sure there are some awesome paleo chefs who know way more about uh, trying to make liver taste good. I should probably actually look up some of their blogs and articles myself. But um, I'm sure there's some awesome recipes online about how to make it palatable, but um, in my experience, definitely the pre-soak, definitely including eggs and and onions with that meal, and definitely getting a good crust on it um, with a carb source that works for you, Um, particularly gluten-free. Make sure it's not any of the the crappy gluten-free stuff like tapioca starch or um, refined white rice powder. Get something good.
1: I'm going to have to try that. I've played around with a number of different types of liver and preparations, and, and I've settled on occasionally doing some Brunschweiger from U.S. Wellness Meats, and that I'm, I'm able yeah. to take down at least. Um, but I, I, that sounds
0: like a pretty tasty recipe, or at least oh, man. tolerable. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you mentioned Wellness Meats. I, I love sourcing my meats from them. They're fantastic. Yeah, it's a great, great company. Um,
1: what are some other tools that you've been using to accelerate your healing that you plan on keeping as a part of your routine for optimization.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so we were just talking about this off call. Um, I I owned an infrared heat lamp before my injury, but I didn't use it as consistently as I do now. So um, when I'm working, I'll often put, if there's things that are sore on my leg, I'll lather my leg up with some castor oil and some topical magnesium, and I'll put that infrared heat lamp on there. So I'm going to be doing that a lot more as uh, as I continue, even when my past when my legs healed, because you know as we're as we're training and living hard and playing hard. Um we do get some some bumps and bruises and, and these are things that can easily be healed while we're being productive with things like an infrared heat lamp and some castor oil and some topical magnesium. Um, I'm going to continue, you know, the nice thing about being um, a physician and having access to a lot of these, these kind of things is that I do have access to a lot of acupuncture needles. So whether you go get dry needling done or have acupuncture done by a traditional um, TCM acupuncturist, um, I love the effects of, of acupuncture on, um, on muscles, on moving the body energetically. So I'll be doing a lot more of that. Um, at, at at our school clinic, we have access to these these uh, PMF beamer machines. I'm gonna buy one and I'm gonna sleep on one. They're they're very expensive, but I think it's one of the the greatest things we can do for our health is is using um, some of these you know maybe beamer or other technologies that help our bodies. With vasomotion and microcirculation, particularly while we're sleeping, like I love those high leverage things, Anthony. Where I can just set it and forget it. Like if I can mm-hmm. sleep on a beamer pad and I'm waking up and I've I've just had you know eight hours of regenerative healing overnight and not even have to think about it. Like that's the kind of stuff I want in my routine. Um, I've been doing a little bit of cryo, which is enjoyable. We have one at the clinic, is it, and it's great. I've seen you hopping around in some some cryo tubs a couple times too, so I know you are a fan of that and. And the visualization, I think the visualization is probably the biggest new thing that I added in that I will continue with this 20 minute habit uh, every single day, you know, past the point where I have a quote unquote requirement for healing a bone. Um, I'll be using this to to prepave um, healing and body success for the rest of my life. I,
1: I really like that addition of the castor oil and the topical magnesium. That's one that I haven't used before. What type, do you have a specific brand of heat lamp that you use? Um, or is
0: it just it's, it's it's one of those TDP ones off of Amazon. <laughs> yep. um, mine's not. It's 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 of average quality. You know, there are great heat lamps. Mine was maybe around 150 bucks, but you can get a much better one. But it gets the job done, and I've had it for over a year, year and a half now, and I've clocked a lot of hours on that puppy, and it's still holding up just fine. So you know, it's easy to get one off Amazon. A TDP lamp. Um, and I think I actually have another device. I have both a, I think my TDP lamp is a far infrared, but I also have a, a little device that is a handheld, um, that is a far and near and it can shoot both frequencies at once. I don't actually know the brand. My mom just gave that to me. Um, and I tape it on my leg sometimes when I'm working and that's a cool little, cool little gadget. And, uh, at our household, we're actually just about to get an infrared sauna awesome. here at home. Very so cool. I'm going to be, I want to be in uh, a happy man in there as well. Are you getting a uh, sunlighten? Um, I think it, actually, I think that might be the brand. Mom's spearheading uh, this one. I got her nerd out on all this biohacking stuff, and now she's just buying everything, which is great. Get your family on board with the health stuff; it just like makes everything that much better. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, it might it might be one of those. I'm unsure on the specific brand actually. Nice. Um, how much do you sleep a night? Mm, depends. Seven and a half hours is is my minimum ideal. I'm not going to lie. Some days when I have to finish patient charts and I'm working on the business and I'm cranking like you were last night, uh, I do get around six hours. But my sweet spot is seven and a half hours um, on most productive days. And if I can swing uh, nine hours on the weekend, that's ideal. Um, I have a lot of, I'm, I'm very concerned about sleep hygiene. Um, using blue light blocking glasses and, and flux on my computer to, to limit blue light exposure and winding down trying to get off the computer uh, late at night as best I can. I've been sleeping with uh, actually a, a sleep mask and earplugs and I sometimes use my Zio. Are you familiar with the ZO alarm clock? I've, it's been mentioned a few times. I haven't tried it. What's your experience been? Okay, so it's cool because uh, basically this is, a, this is a cool alarm clock that has a little bit of a, a headband that you put on that somehow they've developed a technology that is able to read um, the current time that you're in in any given sleep cycle and it tracks it and gives you the data. But whether or not you like the data, what it can do is it has a function where it can wake you up um, in around your desired wake up time, you know, never later, but sometimes earlier during the lightest portion of sleep. Because we know those sleep cycles are around ninety minutes, give or take. We've all experienced the time where we've gotten like eight hours of sleep, and we woke up in the middle of the sleep cycle, and we felt like we got hit by a bus. Mm-hmm. And other times, we've gotten you know four and a half hours of sleep, and we woke up and we were feeling pretty good because we woke up during light sleep. The ZO can wake you up during light sleep, which is a, a cool little hack. If you know it, it doesn't necessarily change the regenerative quality of sleep, but it gives you a little more morning pep that you're not waking up. Um, as groggy, if 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 you're somebody or somebody's out there who who's like, hey, Anthony, I just you know feel so tired in the mornings. So the zero is a cool little trick, and getting a little morning sunlight. I like to get out, crutch out onto my grass and get my feet on some wet earth, do a little earthing, get some sunshine, and uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much the move there. And and I, I I'm also on the tail end of my night. I'm using those those uh, HGH um, deep sleep uh, deep. Brainwave entrainment by Narls. As I'm going to bed, um, when I when I do that and the visualization at night, that helps a lot too. <laughs> super
1: cool. I mean, this this sounds like a full time job, but a fun full time job.
0: You know, it's the thing. Like we we're nerdy out on a lot of you know very tactical stuff, but once these things get bookended into your day as morning and evening routines, and you've actually developed them and you stack them. You know it, it really doesn 't take that much time. it may feel it 's overwhelming when you 're getting started, but when you can slowly build habits and build routine, it doesn 't take that much time i mean i 'm treating patients for twelve, fourteen hours a day and working on my own online business other times, so it 's like i 'm not just just healing. I've just so happened to have built routines that enable me to do everything in my life at the same time. And bookending the day as any biohacker with a morning routine and an evening routine that has the tools and tricks that serve you specifically for your main goals is the most important thing because there's we are in an age where we are learning so much and there is so much information out there on all the things that we could be doing with our bodies and like even your book for example. I mean, you you could spend 10 years going through all the beautiful information you compiled in there. And there are so many different tools, tactics, and tricks we can have. Um, What we need to do is take all that beautiful information, find the couple things that are going to serve us and move us forward most, and develop those things into habits And do the highest leverage things like the basics and the fundamentals that we've been talking about, Um, you know, the sleep, the exercise, a couple cool tech tools that work for you and and the right kind of mindset um, and not get paralyzed by information and and really just get into creating those kind of behaviors, you know, because even me. A guy in the medical field who teaches this stuff for a living. Sometimes I'm like, holy crap, there's so much information. I feel so overwhelmed. I need to do hypoxic training. I need to do the cryo at this time. I need to eat these foods. And then there's this Beamer machine. And we can feel overwhelmed, but we don't have to. Um, We need to just pick a couple of the high leverage 80-20 kind of things and apply those. I agree. That's, that's great advice. And it can
1: be, it can not just be overwhelming, but we can find ourselves feeling like information accumulation is benefiting our life, but it's really that implementation that you talked about and working, like thinking, how do I work this into my routine in a way that, that I can do consistently if you want those results to last and and be sustainable.
0: What's Mm -hmm. exactly. And we're, we're all, with the long game, right? I mean, yeah, we're 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 here to, to be looking amazing at five hundred. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: What what's the best investment you've made under five hundred dollars
0: in the last? I don't know, let's say year. Okay, definitely, I'll, I'll answer it. And it's something that I buy on a recurring basis. It's gonna be um, the the base powder of my morning. Shake. I have the same breakfast every single morning, and I'll I'll share the recipe with you right now. But there are a lot of great uh, products, protein powders and and greens powders out there on the market. My absolute favorite one, it's kind of like my secret weapon, um, is a product called Maximum Vibrance. Um, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's not cheap. It's pretty expensive per serving. Um, but I'll have you take a look at that if you're not familiar with the product. But it is the most complete um, greens power, multivitamin, multimineral, adaptogenic, superfood, uh, probiotic thing out there, like an all-in-one powder. And the reason I say under $500 is because it's pretty pricey. Per bottle, it's probably 60 bucks. And I do that every morning, two scoops with two tablespoons of cacao, um, at least one raw egg, um, sometimes some organic mixed berries. And if I'm working out early, I might throw some oatmeal in there as well and sometimes some bone broth mixed in there. But um, instead of throwing a toy at you when I really am am being uh, authentic and truly telling you what's the biggest high leverage thing, it's controlling that that nutrition through one particular product that is – Is my superpower house that kind of sets my entire day up right and gets me fired up because once you have the nutrition down, you know, which is probably one of the highest leveraged tools we have to play with as biohackers, you know, everything else is, you know, is is secondary in my opinion to getting the building blocks in the body right away Um, and i consider it my my nutritional insurance policy i know after i've taken max vibrance um that i'm good for the day and i don't even know the guy I, i talk about this all the damn time i don't even know the guy who makes this product it's so good he should be paying me royalties and kickbacks because i have had hundreds of people on this product um and i'm not affiliated with them in any way it's just it's just a damn good product i'm gonna give it a
1: try Um, I'm in the market for a new greens, greens mix that, or at least a a compound that contains the, uh, the green phytonutrients.
0: Yeah. Check out Max Vibrams. You're going to be blown away. Where do you get your bone broth? Make it, make it. Well, I guess I do. I do sometimes buy it. I buy my chicken bone broth from Whole Foods. Um, they have actually, they have some in these box cartons, which is great. Um, but I actually do boil down some, some grass fed bones that I get from us wellness Meats myself. And, uh, and that's the best way you get so much more collagen and, and you can create a beautiful bone broth. Uh, I, am going to give a shout out to my friend, Dr. Kellyanne Petrucci for her bone broth book. You know, she's got a ton of recipes on how to exactly go about, uh, making the bone broth from prepping the bones with some apple cider vinegar and all the stuff that you can throw in there. Um, I do buy some, some chicken broth that's pre from Whole Foods and that's good for convenience sake, but making the stuff at home with the right kind of bones, you just really can't beat that.
1: And last question about your shake: the is is it raw oatmeal that you throw in there?
0: Yeah, totally straight raw, totally straight raw. And I just get the I get Bob's Red Mill, the organic quick cook, yep. and I just blend that blend that puppy up, and uh, it's totally fine. I awesome. guess the raw the raw oatmeal thing is something I got used to on my bodybuilding days. You can mix protein powder and raw oatmeal, and it tastes absolutely delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's um. It gives it a little bit of,
1: if, you're, if your diet's dialed in and you're not able to enjoy the desserts at the frequency that you would otherwise wish, sometimes a little bit of oatmeal in your shake goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, last question. I want to be respectful of your time, and you've shared so much already. It's, it's great. If you, if you could only have five supplements or pharmacologics to enhance cognition and mm-hmm. mental clarity... Uh, what would they be? You can include either supplements or, um,
0: yeah, you know, or, or medication, prescription medications. Got it. Okay. Um, one would be a really high quality choline source, and you know, one that's why I'm a big proponent of actually including um, beautiful raw, cage free eggs in the diet um, for some of the lecithin that's in there. But um, GPC choline or another choline source would be part of that. Um, Personally, I would stack that with caffeine, with some theanine, um, some kind of uh, paracetam, um, either straight paracetam or no-pept, which would probably be my preference. And meanwhile, while I'm doing that, I would probably be drinking some organic green tea. So if I had to really boil down that stack one more time, it would be caffeine, theanine, some choline source um some kind of nopept or paracetam. and maybe cuz i'm kind of into the kick right now um i'm really enjoying some acetyl l-carnitine and some huperzine those are great additions to my current nootropic stack but yeah i mean I, the basics are when it comes to uh, caffeine in when you have good healthy adrenals and can be a beautifully powerful cognitive mood enhancer, longevity enhancer. So it's not a crutch. It's a tool. So get your sleep and your recovery on point, and you can enjoy caffeine for all its full benefits. Theanine is great because it's, it's a subtle mood booster, and it also tends to have a calming effect and take a little bit of the edge off caffeine if you're pretty caffeine sensitive. Um, you know. Using some of these um, alpha GPC cholines and all these kind of things are super important because choline being the backbone of you know basically our, our main neurotransmitter pathways and we can get that to be more bioavailable, we're winning. And I personally like to play around with uh, nopept or Paracetam. I'm using nopept right now, which is a is a great little product. Uh, I personally have not tried modafinil or anything like that in my bodybuilding days. I have tried heavy stimulants um, like ephedrine and stuff like that. That I would not recommend um, for cognitive enhancement purposes it takes you over the edge, and it's it's for me it's like a, a little too much. Great for fat burning though, gotta say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, consult your doctor, do that stuff safely. Um, but yeah, I, I think that'd be my stack, and I definitely would be fasting while I'm working and drinking green tea. I think fasting is something you can't put in a pill but it's one of the most powerful things we can do for neurogenesis and, and cognition um, and managing our nutrition and syncing our nutrition up with our work blocks so that we're not eating heavy meals that are diverting blood flow from our brain into our digestive tracts to break down the food. So when I have a work block, um, I'm either having these green drinks like the Max Vibrance or I'm fasting. And so that, that is honestly one of the, the – your, your body, when your nutrition's on point, can keep your blood sugar very stable. Um, with the right kind of healthy fats and, and some proteins and, and the, the, the phytonutrients and max vibrance, you know you don't need a lot of food to feel sharp as hell. I, I've definitely got a long and
1: growing list of things I'm going to order after our interview. Um, yes. What's what's your preferred brand
0: of the, the NoPept? Um, Lift Mode is the only brand I've used, and they are a good company that has great nootropics, but there are a lot of other companies out there that has no to, You need a micro scoop. And if you're going to get into nootropics, here's a, here's a funny little story. I was taking NOPEP for about a year off and on whenever I needed it, um, whenever I was using it for work blocks. You know, I specifically used it to get dialed in for work block. Um, I chose because I was silly at the time not to get a micro scale that could measure out uh, microgram doses. And I was just trusting their scoops that they were sending. And if you're a person that's going to get into nootropics, I would get a micro scale because it's really important to understand that just because a scoop says it's ten micrograms, fifteen micrograms, uh, that totally depends on like the density and the weight of the powder itself that fills that um, you know that little scooper. So I would get a micro scale and make sure you're actually getting the right amount because I was taking half as much as um, as a recommended dose, and I was still having good effects. But when I actually got the scale, and I was like, oh dang, I've been taking like half as much as the, the recommended dose for this, and I doubled it, man, it really started to kick in. I was feeling uh, a lot better. So, you know, after we hop off, I'm actually going to get my scale out. <laughs> Pop some nopep under the – oh, another thing about no peps, Sorry, the risk of rambling is although it's orally bioavailable, um, this is kind of anecdotal user use. It's best to keep it sublingual. And when you do take the nopep, pep um, I would keep it under your tongue for – Thirty to forty-five minutes. Sometimes I keep it under for an hour. It's a tiny little amount of powder. Keep it under your tongue. Let it dissolve sublingually. Um, it t- people tend to get better effects than when it goes to the GI system and gets broken down by some of the gastric peptides. Um, it just, even though it is, it is orally available. Um, it's much better sublingual. So that's a little note. I would take uh, probably twenty to thirty milligram micrograms sublingually. 20, 20 to thirty micrograms. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Exactly. Anthony, this is <laughs> this has been amazing. Um, I've got pages and pages of notes here, and probably going to go spend uh, an ungodly amount of money on a bunch of these recommendations <laughs> you gave for for people that are are sharing those sentiments. Where can they? What what are you working on right now? What have you got coming mm. out? And where can they stay up to speed with uh, with everything that that you're that you're
0: putting together? Totally. Okay, so I got a couple fingers out in the world right now. Um, I have a passion project for helping men with their fitness, and I run a website called Fit Father Project. That's fitfatherproject.com, and that's the place to go if you're a person that really uh, needs to get the fundamentals of your fitness, your exercise, and eating handled. Um, I do personal-level, high-level coaching on uh, biohacking, you know, lifestyle optimization, and this kind of stuff, and uh, I'd like to get connected on Facebook, which I've been doing. You, you've been seeing it, but I've been very consistent with my my daily Facebook journal, so they can find me, Anthony Balduzzi, on Facebook, and you can find me, message me, follow me, and we can connect, and we can chat, and we can see um, if we'd like to work together or learn more about what you're up to in terms of um, routines and, and stuff I might be able to serve. So... And uh, I will be launching another cool news, DrDoozy.com, which is going to be my doctor brand coming out in Q3 of this year. So around uh, August, September, I'll be launching that. And uh, this is where I'm going to be creating a hub. And you and I are going to be nerding out, Anthony, on all things biohacking, nutrition. And uh, we'll be continuing to spread the good word about this beautiful uh, life optimization we've been talking about here today.
1: Anthony, this has been great. Fitfatherproject.com. Anthony Balduzzi on Facebook. I'm looking forward to com and what you've got <laughs> in store for that. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk, brother this, is, this has been a really enjoyable and insightful interview. Thanks, brother. Great having you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This episode is brought to you by AdrenalQuiz.com. If you're concerned about your stress levels and how they might be affecting your health, I highly suggest you head over to AdrenalQuiz.com. AdrenalQuiz.com is an easy-to-use tool for calculating and evaluating different stress-related systems and the effect they have on your body. It's also the first step in understanding how to reset your adrenals to lose weight, maximize your performance, and increase energy. I was absolutely floored when I took the quiz and realized how stressed my body actually was. And since following the program, I've noticed great improvements in my energy, my focus, and just feel like I've experienced an overall physical and psychological reset. So if you're ready to let go of stress and reset your body, I encourage you to check out adrenalquiz.com. That's A-D-R-E-N-A-L quiz.com. This episode is brought to you by the Earth Pulse PEMF sleep on command device. If you're looking for better sleep, enhanced mitochondrial function, improved performance, and accelerated recovery, I highly recommend you check out the Earth Pulse. Within the first week of sleeping on my Earth Pulse, I was seeing improved exercise performance, delayed onset of fatigue. I noticed more energy during my workouts, and I was able to break the three minute mark on a static breath hold. I now sleep on my Earth Pulse, PEMF, which stands for Pulsed Electromagnetic Field, device every single night. I have the one that has two coils. One goes under your pillow, one goes under your mattress, and I take it with me when I travel. I don't leave home without it. Every time I use my Earth Pulse, I wake up feeling clearer, calmer, and more energized. And I can tell the difference if I skip using it for a few nights. What's even cooler is it's incredibly easy to use. I just put it in manual mode, set it to 9.6 hertz and about 15 minutes before my alarm is going to go off and that's it. It's very easy, just a couple buttons and the performance enhancing benefits are profound. To learn more about the earth pulse and check out some of the scientific literature, you can go to biohackingsecrets.com forward slash earth pulse. That's biohackingsecrets.com forward slash e-a-r-t-h-p-u-l-s-e.